Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May 17th, and our chapter for today is Esther chapter 7. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. The trap was set. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, notice the emphasis of the banquet was wine. Esther knew that if the king went in there, he would do some drinking, and that would stir up his emotions. That's what wine does. It will either relax you or hype you up. And this is what Esther knew. She had observed the king. She was a very observant woman. I mean, she didn't get to where she was by just looks. She had a brain. And again, the king said to Esther, what is your petition? Esther, you call this banquet. You have everything in your mind. Why don't you tell me now? And Queen Esther was amazed again, as the king said, it shall be granted to you, whatever it is, whatever your request is, and you can ask up to half my kingdom and it shall be done. Now, this is the king, Ahasuerus, who was the king of all of the realm of Persia. And he said to Queen Esther, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. Just tell me whatever you want. I love you. I adore you. You are beautiful. You're my wife. You're the queen. And you've invited us to this great banquet. Now you tell me how I can help you. And then Queen Esther dropped the bomb. It was a Haman bomb, not an atom bomb. It was a Haman bomb. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, how wise she was. Oh, king, if it pleases the king, do you see how humble she is petitioning him? Let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. Did you see that? Three different words to describe and articulate for the king what someone was up to, to destroy us to kill, to murder us, to annihilate us, to get us out of the way. Had we been told as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. What Esther was setting the king up for was telling him, she hasn't told him the whole plot yet. She is just saying, if indeed I would have found favor in your sight, if indeed I am, as you say, your beloved and your precious queen, do you know? She's assuming that the king knows. Of course, she knows he doesn't, but she is saying to him, of course, you're the all-wise king. You must know this, and you've allowed this to happen because you're the king of Persia. You're the king of all of the kingdoms. Please grant my life to me and my people. This is my petition. And a king, basically, why did you allow us to be sold, to be destroyed, to be killed, annihilated? Now, you're the king, and if this is what you want to do and we were sold into slavery, then so be it. We will gladly serve you because we love you. Do you see what she's doing? 
and so shrewd and wise. And then she said, but if my people, if I and my people are destroyed, then someone might not have advised you well because it is going to be a hard loss for you to regain and compensate. Then King Ahasuerus answered and said unto Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? Now he answered exactly what Esther wanted. And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Now, she didn't say wicked Haman. It is a definite. It is a definitive. This Haman, this same man, and no doubt she pointed to him. And the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. In other words, he got so angry that he said to himself, get out of here before you wipe out everybody and maybe do something that you're going to regret. You need to think about this. So he walked out to his garden, I would say very deliberately, very hastily. He went into the garden to think. But Haman stood before Queen Esther. He pleaded for his life, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. He saw the king look at him. He saw his face. Remember, the Bible is not a movie script. It doesn't say, and the king looked angrily at Haman as though he could cut his throat. No, it doesn't say that. But evidently, there was some body language. Why? Because Haman was terrified because he knew that the king was going to demand payment for this. He was going to demand justice. And so when the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch. This long bed-like chaste lounge had no doubt been the place where Queen Esther was sitting up with a relaxed position in repose as this was going on. And now the king went out, and when he came back in, here it looked like that he was going after, that is, Haman was going after the queen from a inappropriate manner. And it says, then the king said, will you also assault the queen while I am in the house? That was it. As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. That's what you did before you killed someone, before you took their head off. Now, Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, look, 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 wait just a minute. The gallows, now remember, this was not a gallows as in an old west gun smoke or some kind of movie where you would see a hanging. No, a gallows in this case was steps and a unit that went up to a sharpened pole where they would impale people, usually through their hinder parts, and they would ram that pole up into that person's insides. And of course, then they would 
after the impaling, they would put the pole into the ground. They would leave that person hanging there until the buzzards came and the vultures and the decomposition and the eating away of the flesh was taking place. This was to tell everybody, hey, don't mess with me. Don't mess with the king. Don't mess with the kingdom, because if you do, this is what you're going to get. And so that is what was going to happen to Mordecai. He was going to be impaled. That was going to happen to him by the command of Haman, wicked Haman. And so the eunuch said, look, the gallows, 50 cubits high, 75 feet, basically, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf. This was that eunuch that just happened to be the one that read and was there when the documents were read about the good deeds toward the king that Mordecai had done. And it says, it's standing in the house of Haman. Then the king said, impale him, hang him, put him on the pole so that everyone can see this is not to be done in my kingdom. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. Amazing story. Now listen to this. What is continually taught in the Bible, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The Bible teaches that the nation of Israel and the people that we call the Jews, that in ancient times were called the people of Judah, the Jews, these people are the special creation of God. They were brought about miraculously through the birth of Yitzhak, of Isaac, and God renewed the covenant with Isaac that he had made with his father Abraham, and then he repeated and entered into covenant with Yaakov, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and these were the sons of Israel. And God said, these people... Israel are the apple of God's eye. Now that is idiomatic for the pupil of the eye. The pupil of the eye is so precious to a man and so precious to God himself that it is natural and reflexive when the smallest of creatures, the gnat, is swarming around the eye and the eye and the brain perceives that it is under attack, that something's trying to get to the pupil, there is a natural reflexive swatting away to take care of, to destroy, to kill anything that is trying to deal with the most precious part of a person's body, the pupil of the eye. God says, Israel is like the pupil of my eye, and you mess with Israel, you're messing with me. Now, this is a great, great word for all of us in our present day and for the administration in Washington and the administration in the capitals of Europe. God says, you curse me, you turn against me and my people, and I will turn against you. And when you turn against my people, Israel, you are turning against me. Now, I have been called a Zionist. I have been called a Jew lover. I have been called a lover of Israel. And I plead guilty 100%. 
And the reason is I want to love what God loves. I want to be in the same arena with God and whoever side he's on, that's the side I want to be on. Why? Because I love him and I love what he loves and who he loves. And he said that there's no more special people on earth than the people that he made the salvation covenant with, the covenant of the Jewish people. And you and I, as non-Jews, if you are a non-Jew and listening to this, you have been grafted into the great covenantal salvation promises, the spiritual promises that God made to Abraham, not the lineage covenant, not the land covenant, not the messianic covenant in the sense of that through us the Messiah would come, but through the Jewish people. We have been grafted in, brought in to the great tree of the Jewish people to be able to obtain the salvation that was promised to them, not to us, but to them. And God has said, I'm going to let you get in on what I'm doing with my people Israel. I will forgive their sin. I will raise up from them a godly seed. And you and I are fellow heirs with the Jewish people in the spiritual promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, and to all of those that would follow in their footsteps. And so God saw to it that wicked Haman, who was like the Hitler of the 30s, like the Mussolini of the 30s, like those down through history that wanted to destroy the Jewish people. And it doesn't matter who it is, whether it is the people of the Middle East, whether it is the people of the Far East, whether it be China, India, Russia to the north, it doesn't matter to the West, the Europeans, Father West, the Americans and North Americans. It doesn't matter who it is, who you are on the face of the earth. If you come against God's people, you're coming against the apple of God's and God will deal with you, sir. God will deal with you, ma'am. And does that mean that we agree with everything the nation of Israel and its leadership does? Absolutely not. I don't, and I am intricately involved in this and have been for some years now. But what I'm telling you is that neither do I agree with everything that's going on in the United States of America, certainly not at this present day. But I can tell you this, I am supportive of America and the American people. I am an American, and I am grateful to God that I am. But that doesn't mean that I support everything that our government does or people who are in leadership. That's the same way I am by Israel. I support the nation of Israel because... Yes, the people of Israel present day are the people of Israel of ancient days. They are connected. Connect the dots, sir. Connect the dots, ma'am. The people of modern Israel are the same people of ancient Israel, the apple of God's eye. Well, for on the way, this is Tony Crisp. I'll see you tomorrow in Esther chapter 8. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.